continue where we started last week on the subject, God is good. Now it's going to be uh, a little different this morning because you may not see that God is good in the situation we're going to talk about, but I promise you when we're through you'll see it. Psalms 107 in verse number 1, while they're finding their place, I'm glad to know that God is my friend. My friend. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I have not called you servants, but I've called you friend. A friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. Psalms 107 in verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Psalms 107, verse number 1. We're going to read down uh, just a few verses, and then I'll let you sit down this evening. Uh, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is, he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Now, from verse 2 to verse 32, he begins to uh, back up his argument and back up his statement that God is good. He gives four different situations that we, we will read about and talk about. He said, God is good in our salvation. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Then we see that God is good in our sin. Even in our sin, God is good in how He deals with us. In our sickness, God is good. Then in our storms, God is good. In every situation of our life, God is good. You say, why should, we, why should we understand and know that? Because the Bible says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. How many of y'all know that we're spoiled rotten? God, just like a parent who gives their child everything over and over again, after a while, that child takes that for granted. After a while, that child begins to expect it. And after that child, listen, after a while, the child begins to cease to be thankful. And, and, and you know what? We are like that a lot. God gives us everything we need. God is so good to us. And, and then when we don't get something we want, we go to pouting. And this is the month of thanksgiving. And the psalmist says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. He is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now I want you to skip down. We, we preached on verses 2 uh, through uh, number 9 last week. Now let's talk about verses 10 through uh, 16 this morning. Look in verse number 10. Are you there? Say amen. Such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he, talking about God, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he, aren't you glad we can cry to him? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death, and he broke their bands in sunder. Oh, he gets a little preachy right here. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Dear Heavenly Father, anoint your word today. Lord, I don't have any fancy stories. I don't have any fancy illustrations. Lord, I'm just with your word today. 
And Lord, I know your word is magnified above your name. And I'm sure and I know that your word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it'll get the job done. Lord, I just want to stand here and proclaim it. I just want to stand here and preach it. I just want to stand here and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Christ. And God, I pray that you'll help me do that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I submit to you this morning that God is good. God is good. We should be thankful. We should be grateful. God is good. You say, I don't like what my life is right now. It does not matter. God is still good. Whether you're up, God is good. Whether you're down, God is good. Whether you're in, God is good. Whether you're out, God is good. He'll never cease being good. It just is what He is. Amen. All of you English teachers in here, pardon me because I know that's not good English, but it works. Amen. He is what He is. He is good. He's good to me when I need Him. He's good to me. Listen, when I call on Him, I can cry whenever I need Him, and He's always there. He's good to me in my sin. I wondered about this as I was studying these verses, and, 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 and I want to I really be specific this morning. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I meant that when I prayed. I don't have any fancy stories this morning. I don't have any fancy illustrations. This is as plain and as simple as it gets. I was almost embarrassed. I said, Lord, I, I, I don't know. This is, go, this is just going to seem so simple. But you know what? As I begin to study it, as simple as it was, it made a profound effect on how I understood sin in my life. God is good. I want you to see this. I want to give you, I want to give you just four quick things, but I'm, I'm going to breeze through them. Don't get nervous. Amen. I usually go two hours with two points, but I'm not, I promise you, we got a time limit. We have a table. Amen. I will be brief, but I will be clear. Listen, four things I want you to see, and it's right verse by verse by verse by verse. We see in verse number 10, there is a condition that we see. In verse number 11, there is a cause that we see. In verse number 12, there is a correction that we see. Then in verse number 4, there is a conclusion that we see. A condition, a cause, a correction, and a conclusion. Number 1, number 1, the Bible says in verse number 10, Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. I begin to read that and study that. That is the condition that sin will put you in. That is the condition that you will find yourself in. If you get away from the Lord, if you, if you get off where you should not be, uh, God told Adam and Eve in the very beginning in the garden, they were in a perfect environment. They were in a perfect situation. They were in a perfect condition. No sickness, no, no, no disease, no, no anything. But they had to make a choice. God could have put the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil on the back side of the earth where Adam and Eve could not get to it. But what is what good is a free will if you don't have the opportunity to exercise it? God gave every man, every human being, every single person a free will to choose to love Him, to choose to obey Him, or choose to deny Him. If I force my wife to love me, if she had to love me, that would not be real love. I would not feel loved if she was obligated. But if she chose me out of everybody else on earth, if she came to me and said, I want you and I love you and you mean the world to me, I've given up everybody for you. Man, that cranks my tractor. Somebody say amen. God gave you a choice. 
because he wanted your love for him to be real. And now here we are. They're in this situation. They're in this condition. And they chose the wrong thing. And sin entered into the world. And with sin came, listen, death. If you shall eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. They didn't die physically because he wasn't talking about physical death. Their soul could not die because that man was formed out of the dust of the ground and God breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. Look up that word living. It means never dying. Your soul will be in eternity somewhere, heaven or hell, forever and ever and ever. And never die. Their soul didn't die. What died? Their spirit died. Their spirit, that part that connected them with God. God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. John chapter number 4. That part that connected them with a holy God and a righteous judge in heaven. That part that had fellowship with God died. With it came the curse of sin. The curse of sickness. The curse of sorrow. The curse of disease. All that we see here today. And in this condition we see two things. I see two things. They sit in darkness. What is darkness? You can, you can put this as an application. It's, it's a type of blindness. It, it was referred to many times in the New Testament. They that sit in darkness have seen a great light. Do you realize that sin will blind you? It's amazing to me. The ability of sin to put scales over people's eyes. Everybody in the world can see what it's doing to you except you. Your spouse can tell what sin's doing to you. Your friends can tell what sin is doing to you. Your friends can see that it's destroying your body. Your friends can see that it's destroying your life. Your friends can see that it's destroying your relationship. But when they try to explain it to you, you don't even want to hear it because you have been blinded. The Bible says the God of this world will blind their minds. Blind their minds. It's amazing to me how we can do everything we can to justify our sin. You know why? Because it's blindness to the truth. Sin, the condition sin will find you in, it will blind you. But then it will put you in bondage. It will put you in bondage. Look what it says in this verse, verse 10. It says, they sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. There's many verses that teach about the bondage of sin. Jesus told, uh, uh, Jesus told the, the Jewish people when they were arguing with him about uh, uh, who he was, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And, 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 and they, he told them that they were in bondage, and they said, hey, we're, we're Abraham's children. We've never been in bondage. They had a short memory because they forgot all about Egypt. But they said, we've never been in bondage to anybody. Jesus says, if you sin... You are a servant to sin. And basically what he was saying, you're in bondage to sin. You are bound to that. You are a slave to that. You are, I looked at the word bondage, it means controlled by. There are people that are controlled by pills. They can't live without it. They have to have it. It's controlling their whole life. There's people that are controlled by the bottle. They've got to have it. They have to have that alcohol. They get up in the morning and they think about it. When they go to bed at night, they think about it. That's all they can think about. It's consuming their life. Crack and meth. Look in the newspapers. You see people, my brother just brought me 
a newspaper clipping uh, from Fort Pierce, Florida, one of the most famous lawyers in St. Lucie County. He, here he is with his hair all messed up, matted up a, a three or four day old beard and, and, and all of that. He just got caught for the eighth time with drugs. And he was once a, I'm talking about a famous lawyer in the state of Florida. Here he is on the front page and he's done, it's over. It's, it's completely, what happened? Drugs threw him in bondage. So it's not always drugs. Sometimes it's that people are in bondage to a computer screen. Hello, y'all with me? Come on, stay with me now. We're in bondage to a lot of things. We're in bondage to a lot of things. Some people are in bondage to a refrigerator. Some people are in bondage to a job. Because they feel like the only way they're important is because they get their, their, their feeling of importance from their job. You know what, one day you're going to get sick and you're not going to be able to work no more. Where will your importance come from then? And instead of getting it from God, the sin that's there, the disobedience that's there, it's kept them in bondage and they can't break loose. I looked up that word affliction. Affliction, it means misery. It means depression. Boy, how many of you read the newspaper? How many of y'all see the pictures when they, they, when they arrest these, these people for meth and all that? Do they look like they're going to Disney World? Do, they, do, they, do these people who are arrested for drunk driving, and, and here they are, they have their pictures posted, and they've just destroyed a family, an innocent family. Uh, 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 you know, they, they don't look like the Budweiser commercial. They don't look like the Coors Light commercial with all these young people dancing and having a big time, smiles on their face, having the time of their life. See, that's the deception of Satan. All I see is misery. Because the condition you'll find yourself in with sin is miserable. I'm miserable because I'm in sin. God's doing this to me. No, sin does that to you. Sin does that. The one thing I learned in this by studying these few verses is before God ever steps on the scene, I've already got miserable. I'm already in a depression. I'm already miserable because of my condition. My condition is not caused by God's hand on me. My condition is caused by a natural result of sin. For instance, for instance, there's a plug-in right there on that wall right there. And, uh, if I stick my finger in that plug-in, there's going to be a natural reaction. Or maybe there will be an unnatural reaction. It will be an electrifying experience. Say amen. My hair will stand that tall on top of my head and I may get a permanent orange afro. Say amen right there. You say, well, that's silly, preacher. That's just an obvious thing that's going to happen. If you sit, There's electricity in there. Why would you think anything else would happen? Well, why don't we think anything else is going to happen when we, when we get out and sin? When God said the wages of sin is death, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but when it's through, it's always death. Why do we think if we're going to smoke for 30 years, we're not going to get cancer? Or our arteries are not going to harden? Why, why, why do we think something different is going to happen? Me and my brother was talking. God bless him. He'll be in the second service, so I can't say this then. I'll say it now. We were talking on the phone. He was on his way up, and we were talking about He wanted to watch a fight last night, and he, 
want a pizza, so I was going to get pizza. And I said, man, that Jerry's doghouse, boy, they got the best pizza. I, I, I done been in here. I got my card almost filled. Say amen. I'm fixing to get a free pizza. I need a witness right there. I said, boy, and we had just got through talking. I said, Joe, you ain't going to believe it. I said, man, I done gained that weight. I'm, I'm back up to a certain level. Uh, uh, uh. Y'all knows he Baptist. I ain't telling you, amen. You'll tell people. Y'all tell on you. You can't keep no secret, amen. I'll tell you what, I'm, I am too much, amen. And he was giggling and laughing and, uh, because uh, for the first time in a long time, He's smaller than me. Say amen. And he really was ministered by knowing that, Brother Kendrick. I don't know what. Well, then we got to talking about the Jerry's doghouse, and, and I said, man, they got this Italian beef sandwich, and, and boy, they've got it. And I started naming off all these foods. He said, and you wonder why you done gained that weight. I said, I hope you get lost and don't even find Coleman. Joe is just a logical person. I mean, he just says it like it. He said, why do you think something different is going to happen? Are y'all with me? And we, we think we can just go do whatever, and everything's going to be all right. Sin is real. And the condition that it causes is real. And don't blame God. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame your boss. Don't blame your family. If you are miserable, it's your fault. See, God hadn't even stepped in on the scene yet. And there's misery in sin. We see a condition, number two. We see a cause. What is the cause of sin in our life? What is the cause of this misery? The Bible says in verse 11, because... Y'all see that word? That means, verse 10 is there for what I'm fixing to tell you. How many of y'all would agree with that? Am I right on that, teachers? That's what it says, ain't it? It's, in other words, it says this. Such as sit in darkness, they're blind, and in the shadow of death, and you know, I didn't even give you a sub for that, but that's good. You're right on the verge. Being bound in misery, depression, and iron. That's what the word affliction means. I am miserable. Let's just word it this way. I am miserable. Come on, y'all. I'm miserable because this reason right here. Not because my husband won't help me. Not because my spouse is crazy. Not because I don't have what I want in life. No, I'm miserable because... Help me. Help me. Uh Uh-uh. Give me the verse there, bud. Give me the verse. You got it? Let me read it. There we go. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Now watch this. This is the deal. I have in my hand, I have in my hand, I kind of ripped the top thing there, but uh, can you read that? Can you say that real loud? Owner manual. Now in this thing, I got this out of my truck this morning. First time, brother. Yeah, first time. (laughs) Bless your ministry there, brother. Appreciate it. 
That just happens to be our church mechanic who has to work on my truck regularly. And he's right. That is the first time I've looked at it, matter of fact. But you know what? This owner's manual is there to tell me and help me how to keep that in perfect running condition. I mean, it'll tell you about the headlights. It'll tell you about what kind of oil to put in it. Uh, 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 how, how many times to change the oil. I mean, what kind of filters to put in it. How to drive it. How to react in rainy weather. I mean, just all kind of stuff to operate it correctly. To get, now watch this, to get the best use out of this vehicle. Are y'all with me? Well, who, who wrote this? The designers of the vehicle. The ones that designed the vehicle, uh, uh, made the vehicle, uh, delivered the vehicle, they said, this is how you're going to get the most out of it. Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Later on in, in those verses, it says, And God made man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and he became a living soul. He's the creator. He's the architect. He is the designer of mankind. And listen, when he turned mankind loose, he said, This is the owner's manual. Why should I be surprised if I go against everything this book says and my truck quits running? Why should I be surprised if I'm not getting the best use out of it if I'm going against what this says? Why should I be surprised if I put diesel in a gas motor and it quits running? You say, well, preacher, that's silly then why are we surprised when God gave us a booklet to tell us how to get the most out of life, how to have the greatest life possible, and we go against what this book says, and then we're surprised about it? I'm miserable. Let me tell you why. You rebelled against the words of God. God said, go that way. You went that way. It's as simple as that. I mean, in this elementary, I, I was almost embarrassed to come tell you this. But you know what? It's very, very enlightening. And the saddest part about the whole deal, the devil will come and tell you to do a certain thing to make you feel or look for something you're looking for, and he's leading you the opposite way the whole time. God says, God says your destination is this way. But the devil says go this way, and he'll make it more attractive. He'll make it more attractive. You know, it's kind of like this. I like to coon hunt sometimes when I get a chance. Sometimes. And I have a tendency, sometimes, to get lost in the closet. Thank you, Brother Bruce. Appreciate your ministry. He knows it. And because uh, I get so excited about what's happening out there in them woods, and I just start walking. I'm not paying attention to the surroundings. I'm not doing anything. And here we go, and 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 we get there, and I, I'm looking. Okay. And you notice everything looks the same once you get there. Say, man, right there. And there was a wonderful invention that they had made called a GPS. I came straight out of heaven. Say, man. And 
I was the other day or the other night we was there and 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 and, and Bill we was coming back toward the truck and and there was a big old briar patch. And uh I'm thinking I really don't want to go through that. I want to go this way because it looked a whole lot easier. It was clear. There was no briars. It was it was more to my liking. But the only problem was I was going away from where I wanted to go. And see, the devil will open up this path that looks very inviting, that looks very exciting. I'm telling you, sin is exciting. But it's always got a hook. It's just like the fish and the little rubber worm. That rubber worm looks so exciting to that bass. But there's only one problem. There's a hook in it. And there's not one sin that you'll ever commit, no matter how exciting it is, that don't have a hook in it. And Mark said, the truck's right there. We've got to go through there. I said, I don't want to go through there. That, he said, well, if you want to get to the truck, you've got to go through there. You see, here we are. We're, we're living in a life where the devil takes Say, He tells young people, take a shortcut to sex. You'll have a, oh, yeah. And you know what? They end up pregnant before they're married. End up halfway destroying their life because here they are struggling. It's hard enough to make it by yourself. Then try to take care of young without any kind of education or a good job. I need a witness right there. You ought to be shouting. Or diseases and everything else. When God says, it might be a little more, more difficult, it might take you a little more patience, but when you get into a, a right married relationship, there is nothing more exciting or satisfying than that type of relationship. But the devil say, take this shortcut right here. And what you're really wanting way over here, you're going the opposite direction from it. Because see, this don't lie. And if how you're living and what you're doing is rebelling against this, you're going to end up in that miserable condition no matter what you do. I'm just going to leave this church. Well, if you go to one that's not telling you what I just told you, you better leave that one too. There is a cause. I'm miserable, preacher. Well, it's because we go against God's Word. He's, he's given us a, a map. He's given us an owner's manual. And contemn the counsel of the Most High. I looked up that word counsel. It has with it the word advice, but it also has plan. In other words, God not only gave you a book of directions, an owner's manual, but then He gave you a map. This is where I want you to go, and this is how I want you to get there. Y'all with me? In other words, God's got a plan for my life. God planned for me when I was born, before I was ever born, to preach the gospel. And I could have said, and I did for a little while, and it was the most miserable time of my life. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. I grew up a pastor's son. I know the heartache. I know the difficulty. I don't want to do that. I want to be a veterinarian. And you know what? I went to the cattle sale, and that completely changed my mind. Say amen right there. Say, what are you talking about? Go to the cattle cell and you'll see. Amen. But I could have said, I don't want to do that. I'm not going there. And, and I did. And I was miserable. Some of you are in here and God's got a plan for your life. God's got a future and a destiny for your life. God's got great things planned for you. If you choose to say, I don't want to go that direction on the map, you know what, you're, you know what kind of condition you're going to end up? Verse 10. Miserable. Y'all with me? Write this down. And then we'll go to number three. 
We see the condition in verse 10, blindness and bondage. We see the cause, a disregarded directions and disregarded desire. In other words, God's desire for your life. You disregard His desire and His plan for your life. Number three. Say, where is God good at? This is where it comes in. Uh, God is good in His correction. Say that with me. God is good in His... Say it again. In His... Correction. I was pretty sure I had a Bible up here somewhere. Amen. All right. Look here. Look in verse 12. When God found us in our condition, He says in verse 12, Therefore, now remember, when you see therefore in the Bible, go with the verse before and find out what it's there for. All right, first... We say, we're miserable. Then in verse 11 it says, because. Are y'all with me? Because I did this. And, and then it says in verse 12, therefore, because God found you in that condition, because God sees you in that situation, because God sees your misery, because God sees your affliction, because God sees your bondage, He says, I need to do something about this. And you know what, I've always thought that because I sin, I make Him mad. And God corrects me because I have angered the Lord. We have totally messed up the image of our Heavenly Father. God does not come and correct us because He's made us mad. You know why we have that image? Because some of our fathers corrected us because we made them mad. And so when we see Heavenly Father, we naturally think, Oh my goodness, God is dealing with me because He's mad at me. God is not dealing with you because, I'm telling you, I'm preaching better than y'all shouting right now. God is not dealing with you because He's mad at you. God deals with you because He sees the condition in your end and He don't wait. Listen, He does not want you to be afflicted. He does not want you to be miserable. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to have a great life. That's why God is so good when He gets involved. It doesn't feel good when He gets involved, but He does it because He loves you and He wants a great life for you. Therefore, since I see you in that shape, since I see you in that situation, isn't this good, Chris? He says, I'm going to do something about it. We see, verse number 12, we see the correction. Look what it says. It says in, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. Don't you see this? Don't you see the action that he takes? The action that he takes. See, you need to understand something. Sin is not a head problem. Sin is not a habit problem. Brother Gibbons, some people think, well, I've got to quit this bad habit because that's the problem. No, it's not. The habit is a direct result of the, the condition of the heart. And God does not say, I'm going to bring his attitude down. He says, I'm going to deal with his heart. That's why in our, our, our addictions program that we have here at the church and what we're working on now, it doesn't deal with, it deals with your heart. If you will give your heart to Christ, if you will give your life to Christ, if God will get your heart, 
God will take care of everything else. Sin is a heart problem. I found this out. Uh, how many of y'all have heard, the, heard that statement? Uh, I'm not going to that church because there's hypocrites there. Heard a man say one time, well, I'd rather go to church with a few hypocrites than to hell with all of them. That's pretty good stuff, but the point being is this. I'm not coming for who's sitting beside me. I'm not coming for who's... who's, I'm coming because my heart belongs to Him. And He's been so good to me. i got to go and praise Him. i got to go and sing to Him. i got to go and glorify Him. Man, He has got my heart, my whole heart. I love Him with all of my heart. And I don't care who's there or not. If the whole world don't sing, I'm going to pucker up. Say amen. See, it's a heart problem. God says, I've got to bring their heart down with labor. Some of us think we're in misery because God's making us miserable. No, He's not. Sin's doing that. You say, well, what's God doing? He's just making you tired of it. This is good, I'm telling you. What happens when you labor? You get tired. And you know what? You know when, <laughs> you know when the prodigal son come home? When he got tired of it. <laughs> he was already miserable because sin had caused him that way. Here he is. He's empty-handed, Brother Donnie. He's hungry. He's starving to death. And he said, what am I doing? I'm getting kind of high-pitched right there. Do you know what I'm Well, I'm going to get in the choir. Amen. He says, my, my father's got bread enough in the spare. What am I doing sitting here? I'm sick and tired of this. You know when you're going to change your life? When you're sick and tired. When you're sick and tired of being miserable. But don't blame God for your misery. Sin's doing that. God's just going to make sure you get tired of it. How you know? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. This is Peter. The rest of the disciples, I'm going with you. You know what? God says, pour it to it. Brother Ronnie, they fished all night long. Now, I'm, not, I'm telling you, they're not, they're not you've got to understand this, they're not casting out a bobber and sitting there watching that bobber. Or cork, or whatever you call it. These are net fishermen. And I don't know if you've ever net fished before. But there's a lot of work. Me and my brother went out with a fella in our church down in Florida, and we lived in Florida right there on the ocean, and he net fishing. He said, son, you're pulling, and you're putting them nets out, and then you're pulling them in. And it's a lot of work, and you do it all night long. And God's going to make sure you catch nothing. And in the morning, you're going to be tired. See, God's good. He's good. Because he sees us in that miserable condition, he says, man, i got to do something about that. And God's not causing your misery. He's just getting you tired of it. Amen. We see his action, then his aim. His action was to humble. His aim was the heart. When you get your heart right, 
Everything else falls into place. We want to blame our spouses. We want to blame our children. We want to blame our bosses. We want to blame our preacher. We want to blame the youth director. But you know what? If my heart's right, I can deal with a lot of stuff. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you're miserable, it's a heart situation. Church, say amen. Not only that, but number four. What was number one? Number two? Number three? Number four. The conclusion. Verse 14. Well, look at verse 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. You know what? Because of God's action, He brought them back to Him. Isn't it amazing the first thing that prodigal son thought about when he got sick and tired, was his daddy. I'm going to go to my father. You know what? When God takes action in our life and, and deals with us, he's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to drive you away. He's trying to bring you back home. And what... What took place when he took action in their situation? The Bible says they cried unto the Lord. And let me say this too. I didn't go into detail about this because I'm running out of time. But uh, uh, according to that verse, he brought their, their heart down with labor. They fell down. And then it says this, and there was none to help. Some of us need to quit getting in God's way. Some of us want to bail out our children when they need to get in trouble. We bail them out all the time, and then they're going to get in trouble that you can't help them with. And sometimes I try to go into people's situations and help them get out of it or try to, try to remedy it when the whole time God's saying, hey, I'm working in this deal. And we get involved in what God's trying to do. Hello? Yeah, a company goes bankrupt. Let's just give them more money to spend. Well, what do you think we ought to do? Let them go! Listen. God will put us in a situation that no human being on earth can get us out of. And you know what the next obvious course of action is? If no human being on earth can get us out of it, who else can we call? Who are you going to call? Ain't going to be Ghostbusters, say amen. We're so stubborn. I am. I don't know why I'm in this condition. Because you ain't asked early enough. God says, I had to put you in this condition because you wouldn't come back to me till I did. Y'all with me? Am I the only one being convicted right now? 
But the conclusion of the whole thing is they came back to Him. He drew them to Him. The word drew or draw, to draw somebody, to cause to go in a certain direction. They cried unto the Lord. He not only drew them, but He delivered them. He saved them out of their distress. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. In verse 10, verse 10, what was verse 10? Look, what was number one? What caused the condition? Our sin, our rebellion, right? That's the, that's the condition. All right, watch what God does. Watch what He deals with. In verse 14, He brought them out of the, the shadow of death and break their bands in... What did He do? He changed your condition. He went into the situation that our sin had caused in our life. He went into that misery. He went into that depression. He went into that place of bondage. He went into that place of difficulty and changed the whole thing. And we think that, we think that, oh God, would you quit punishing me? No, that's not what needs to happen. God needs to go and take us out of the situation that we caused. Does that make sense? God's good. God is good. Because my misery is caused by my sin. But when I call on my Savior, He will deliver me. Let me give you one, one, one last chapter and we're going to pray in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 I want to I want to share this with you and then we're going to pray and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children my son despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him say it with me when thou art rebuked of him for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, talking about all of God's children, then are ye bastards and not sons. That's not a cuss word. That's, that means illegitimate. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. It says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. I never, I never really could understand that fact. When, when, when my dad said, this hurts me more than it hurts you, and then beats you to an inch of your life. Did anybody ever get whoopings? Was anybody born before Ridland? Anybody? Anybody born before timeout? You know, timeout. That's, that's opinion. I can't give my opinion, but I think it stinks. Say amen. And he would always say that. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I would think, you liar. Then why am I the one crying and you ain't? But then when I had kids, I don't want to do that. Man. Aren't kids a hoot? Little Brandy, before she was in school, she was a little old thing. 
I mean, before she is before she knew how to count or anything like that, and 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 she came in there and they'd been arguing with their sister, and she hit her sister. You know, you know when you get in that aggravating mood, you don't you just don't feel like putting up with nothing. I said, "Come here now." They come in there. Brandy said, "What?" I said, how many times do I have to tell you not to hit your sister? He said, but daddy, I don't know how to count. (laughs) Now, how do you whoop him after that? She's looking at me with tears coming down her eyes. Tammy's in the recliner. (laughs) I said, you, you... Get out of here. I don't want to do that. But see, I see what they're going to end up if I don't. I hated every whipping that I got. But I'm not on crack. And I'm not in prison. And I'm a a somewhat decent citizen. I'm not disrespectful to my elders. I say yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir. Thank God he whooped me. Thank God he got my attention. Thank God he loved me enough to chasten me because he could see where I would have ended up and he didn't want me to be in that condition. He wanted me to have life. Say amen. God is good. Even when he has to whip us. Even when he has to come and get our attention and humble us. He's good. He's good. Amen. That's enough. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for correcting me. Thank you so much for dealing with me in my situation.